a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. My name is Mike Wendland. I'm joined by Matt Freilich and Gage Bridgeford this week. As yesterday, the guys talked about the Packers' weaknesses. Well, let's flip it over. Let's talk about the Packers' strengths. And we're three fairly strong human beings, so strength seems to be a pretty big benefit for us. So, guys... This is a pretty strong roster. There's a lot to talk about. We're going to break it down to five different positions, but this is one of the strongest rosters in the NFL, and its not, I don't think it's debatable. No, I don't think it is either. There's a lot of talent. And there's a lot of big names, which gives those position groups and the those either side of the balls more validity. But overall, I think um, I'm excited to see what you guys think as far as strengths. I think we probably have some different opinions, which will be great. Um, and, you know, instead of being like Mark, Jason and Paul being very pessimistic about the weaknesses, we're going to, you know, focus on the positive and try to really brighten your Sunday afternoon. Um, and as far as strengths go, I got a deferred gauge. I bet gauge because pushing 225 a couple times. You know, we we don't really need to do that. We don't okay. need to talk to me about uh, strength stuff. Sure. I'm more of a uh, more of a mental strength. I got it between the ears more. That's uh, I was always more of a sideline coach than a uh, on the field like type of guy. But anyway, yeah, no, I am a big fan of focusing on the positives of this team. Like Mike said, this is one of the strongest rosters in football. I I'll be honest. I think that there are a couple rosters in football that I think are better, but Green Bay is I'd say probably top three or four. Uh, and and I think that they can hang with any team in the league, as we saw last year, where they they beat a bunch of teams. They were a couple of questionable calls and decisions away from going to a Super Bowl in a game that I think that they could have probably beaten the Chiefs. They didn't necessarily have the same defense that Tampa did, but it's a absolutely fantastic roster. And I only think it got better this offseason. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at looking at this team. And to be fair, they could have suited up the uh, the Packety team against that Chiefs offensive line, and there might have been a chance. But that being said, before we get started into today's podcast, quick reminder as well to find us on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a five-star review. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a subscription. And check us out every single day, both on our audio podcast and on the YouTube channel. Andy's been doing great work there. I just I am watching his interview with Ben Fennel, and that was really, really enlightening and great to see. And We've got a lot of great things in store here on the Packaday Podcast going forward every single day. So that being said, let's jump right into our first strength, and this is going to be the one that's been the most debated for the past month, and so we're including it with, with an asterisk, and that's quarterback. Of course, the asterisk being is if Aaron Rodgers does return. If he does, obviously it is a massive strength. It has got three first-round picks. Granted, they've one's been very underachieving and the other one's unproven, but there's still talent there, and of course, one of the greatest quarterbacks in the history of football. And there's there's no doubt, especially if Rodgers is back in the fold, that quarterback is a massive, massive strength. Are you just you're just is this going to be a Blake Bortles podcast for ten minutes? Is that what you're telling me right now, Mike? I, which reminded Kurt me, for I did Kurt Bankert as well. Like I, I reminded me, I have my Barstool Sports. Uh, what is it? The 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 Star Far Rogers Bortles shirt coming in the mail still. I'm I'm jacked for that. But I love this quarterback room. I love the fact that they did bring in Bortles because he knows the offense. Um, he's been with Matt Lafleur in the past. I think he's a good uh, person to learn from potentially for Jordan Love or Kurt Binkert if he makes a team. Um, I don't know how much um, 
you know, insight he's going to push towards 12's way. I'm sure there'll be a tidbit or two or, you know, something, or at least he'll help with some of the, uh, the games I know the quarterback room plays, but I think he's, he'll be a good piece. Three first round picks is awesome. Um, and again, yeah, that asterisk is there. Um, as we record this, like he's still, Rogers is still on the team. Could he be gone by the time we're recording this tonight? Absolutely. But I am very confident with this quarterback room, and it's always nice that they finally have someone we can, you know, you can feel confident in. I think Tim Boyle, I was confident going in, but there were those years with Brett Hundley, Scott Tolzien, even though he did well, um, a few other names that I'm definitely misremembering, but I, I'm very happy with at least the top three guys um, right now on the roster. Yeah, no, I agree that top, quarterbacks are strength on this team. I understand everyone wants to say, oh, well, you got Jordan Love, as, and he's still now winning the backup job, and they had to bring in Blake Bortles and Kurt Benkert, and there's all these question marks of, okay, Love's, a, Love's he doesn't have it, he can't be the guy, it was a wasted pick, all yada, yada, yada. I get it, I get it. One, I don't think Karen's leaving. I've said since the very beginning, I think he gets an extension and Love gets traded. That was what I tweeted right after the Schefter news came out. I don't know that necessarily that Love gets traded, but Rogers is either playing in Green Bay or he's retiring. I don't see him going. I don't see him going anywhere. I think that all of these teams and big media analysts that try and mock up these fake trades where Green Bay is getting 12 first round picks from Denver and whatever is just they're they're bored and they're trying to come up with something else to put out there because they can't come up with any original content. So they just have to regurgitate the same stuff they've been doing for the last month. Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback of this team. Let me, let me double check. I'm going to double check the depth chart real quick. Yep. Nope. He's still the quarterback of this team. He hasn't been traded. He's not going anywhere. Jordan love is a talented player who has a lot of, has a lot of room to grow. There was a lot of people that in, last year's draft class that saw him as the highest ceiling option among the top four. It was Burrow, Tua, Herbert, and then Jordan Love was universally QB4 because his floor was lower, but his ceiling was higher than anybody. He's got arm talent. He's got, he was comp to be, he could be the next Patrick Mahomes. Anybody comping him to Patrick Mahomes saying, oh, that's what he's going to do? No, come on. Just, just calm down. But that was what he was said he could be. I still think Love's talented. And then having Blake Bortles as your, your other guy in the room, he does have experience with working with Nathaniel Hackett. He has been – he's a veteran in the NFL. I don't care that he couldn't stick on a roster last year in Denver because it doesn't matter. What matters is what he can do now. He's got a good relationship with Rodgers. He's got a relationship with Hackett. It's not going to hurt anything. And that Kurt Benker is – from what I can tell so far, I don't know a lot about Benker, but what I can tell is – this guy's here. He's going to bring nothing but good vibes to the team. He's not going to come in and ruffle any feathers. He's going to come in, have fun, and try and develop and make everybody better because competition breeds success, and I think that that is going to ring true here at Green Bay. Absolutely. I think I misspoke. I think I said Bortles has been in LeFleur's offense. I don't think that is the case. He's been in Nathaniel Hackett's offense, which obviously the Jaguars was pretty pretty good up until the second Second half of that uh, AFC Championship game. Uh, up, up until up until Miles Jack wasn't allowed to score a touchdown, Jacksonville was really really good, and then mm-hmm. Tom Brady did mm-hmm. Patriot things. But I, I've always maintained also with Jordan Love is he needs two years: one to learn the NFL game, and two to unlearn Gary Anderson's offense. As any <laughs> Wisconsin sports fan has known, Gary Anderson was one of the worst things that happened to the Badgers in a long long time. Uh, and, so true. And he took that to Utah State, and Jordan Love's last year suffered for it. 
including his some of his decision making, the plays that were being called in, in general. Like he, as Gage said, the ceiling is there. He has mm-hmm. got everything you want in a potential franchise quarterback. And as we've kind of seen now, and we're seeing from other interviews with guys like Aaron Jones, he's got the attitude for it as well. And that's that makes me excited. And even if he has to be play this year more, I'm still confident. And I think learning under quarterback guys like Matt Lafleur, like Luke Getzey, like Nathaniel Hackett, this room is in very very good hands. Absolutely. Plus, they're going to be dealing with another strength. And for us, we decided wide receiver, so they're going to be throwing to a position of strength. And maybe it's not the top-end strength. Obviously, Devontae Adams is one of the top three, and he's not two or three. But the other guys did their roles well. Al Lazard does everything you want him to do as a blocker, as a route runner, as a third-down receiver. MVS can take the top of anyone. He was arguably the best player on the field against Tampa, You, at least for the Packers in that game. You've got EQ if he can ever put it together. Devin Funches could bring some red zone style stuff. They can always even split out guys like, obviously, Mari Rogers as well can be coming and play the slot and be steroid version Ty Montgomery. And then you have running backs you can motion out to play wide receiver. Aaron Jones can play some slots. You can, you can move guys around. And this, this pass catching group, especially on the perimeter, is better than people think. And it is definitely a strength. And Matt LaFleur trusts all of them. As he should. I mean, and it's one of those things, like, we're going to get to a couple other position groups that, you know, it makes sense that they're the strength because they spend draft capital on them. They bring guys in. Like, it's not just – they don't just accidentally end up with, you know, a loaded wide receiver room. And it's, you know, obviously it's extremely top-heavy with Devontae Adams. But then after that, there's a lot of above-average dudes. Funches, uh, Lazard, as you mentioned, MVS, EQ. I mean, Malik Taylor's decent. Um, obviously, Amari Rogers is going to be – is going to be awesome for this offense. I'm very, very confident in that. But, um, you know, is, you know, they, they talked about, or Matt LaFleur at one point, you know, said Aaron Jones isn't a running back. He's a weapon. You could consider him a receiving weapon as well. So he, he can catch the ball in the backfield. I, I really like this receiver room. I know people have ragged on it for a number of years. Um, I've been one of those people at times. But overall, I think you got to understand that they're going to go down with the ship that is MVS EQ um, because they, they spent draft equity on them. They're, they're project guys, especially EQ at this point, if he can stay healthy, like Mike mentioned, like at the end of the day, like they're, they're big physical receivers. Um, I, the one guy I'm interested in, I'm surprised we haven't heard more of a cult following let yet is uh Bailey, Bailey Gaithier, the uh, rookie at the San, San Jose state, little, little white dude, about six foot. He's listed. I highly doubt that. I'm surprised he doesn't get any buzz yet. I think we'll have to wait until training camp gets going here. But again, there's, there's guys on this roster that can play. Um, and Winfrey also a really, really good special teamer. If, if you need them. See, with this wide receiver room, I get it. It doesn't have the star power. It's not the Rams with Deshaun Jackson, Cooper Cup, and Robert Woods. It's not Tampa Bay that has Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and then some other guys. It's a team that's a it's a position that's greater than the – like it's the sum of its parts. That's what makes it so great. Devontae Adams is arguably 
the best receiver in football. And I saw some people discussing earlier this week, oh, you shouldn't give him an extension because wide receivers fall off after 30. Here's the difference with those guys. Those guys win with athleticism. That's not how Devontae wins. Mm-hmm. Devontae wins because he's a technician and he's just flat out better than you at what he's going to do. He knows what he's going to do. He knows how he's going to do it. And that's how he's going to beat you all day long because you're going to be expecting him to try and beat you with speed. That's not what he's going to do. He's just going to foot chop you and get you to bite one way, and then once you do that, he's wide open for for easy scores. Alan Lazard knows how to play his role well. MVS, if he can just work on the drops a little bit, knows how to play his job, knows how to do his job really well, and he is one of the best deep threats in football. I understand that there's people that want to say Tyree Kill, and then earlier this week the whole Tyree Kill Randy Moss debate broke out. MBS is 6'4", runs 4'3", and can just flat out run. He just runs by dudes without breaking a sweat. MBS is one of the best deep threats in football. Then throw in all of the other guys that you have, Malik Taylor, Equinemius St. Brown, Juwan Winfrey, Devin Funches, who has we haven't even seen suit up in Green Bay yet. And he, and he also has shown flashes of being a quality starting wide receiver in the NFL. There's so much depth and talent here that when you have a game like we had last year against Houston where you're missing four of your top five receivers, you can withstand that because of the depth that you have. So mm-hmm. while Green Bay's wide receiver room may not be the most talented from just a pure star potential or from a pure star power perspective, the depth and the versatility that everybody has is what makes this group so talented, makes it one of the strengths of this team. For sure, and, and one of the things that, and you know, I've had people come to debate me, again, this is going back to the draft, of why don't they draft like T. Higgins or Chase Claypool, is like, can they block? Like, Alan Lazard is, you can make KC, might be one of the top four blocking receivers in football, and that is a key part of the Shanahan-style offense, whether it was Mike, Kyle, or Matt LaFleur. You have to be able to block if you're going to be a receiver. And Lazard, they've emotion him, they've had him play inline tight end and running plays because they know he can handle it. MVS is a better blocking people think when he's out on the perimeter. Mari Rogers showed at Clemson he is not afraid to throw the body around and make some hits. Like this, this team, this receivers are going to move the line of scrimmage on the perimeter, and that's going to be a lot of fun to keep an eye on. And and that's what that's part of why I think the depth is there. And like you guys said, it's the sum of the parts. Devontae Adams is is amazing, and he is one of the greatest receivers in football right now. But beyond him, all these guys know their role. They play it well. They and and. They don't really make that many mistakes. Uh, the drops, yes, but outside of that, they're usually where they need to be. They're making the plays they need to make, and you can rely on them. And that goes as well for our next group, and that's the offensive line, and the and it's specifically their depth and their versatility. Obviously, you have your franchise tackle in 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 D-Bock. Elton Jenkins can play everywhere and potentially quarterback for all we know. Like we'll see what he can actually do going forward, and he may be the right tackle of the future. They've got guards out the wazoo. They may have just drafted their franchise center. This team was the best offensive line in football all last season until injuries hit. They had two All-Pros and a second team. This line is... A lot of those guys are back except for Lindsley. They can be another one of the top offensive lines yet again, even with some new faces coming in. I just love this offensive line group. I really do. Like, I can't remember in my entire existence ever being su- as jacked as the, about the offensive line group as any other point in my life. Like, it's it's so awesome because you have guys that they've actually turned into 
potential superstars, and that's Elton Jenkins. Like he is literally at the cusp of being one of the best offensive linemen in the league, in my opinion. And it's also because of his versatility. You know, we'll see what happens going forward here in his third season. But really, like when you have potentially the best offensive tackle and David Bakhtiari, you have all these interior guys that you're going to be able to mix and match. And Andy said it really, really good this last week on the Packaday uh, YouTube channel. He was talking about just how they've acquired so many of these assets. If it's in the fourth round or the fifth round or the second round with Josh Myers, like you're making it a priority to fill in these holes. You only need to have five guys and you pretty much have guaranteed two starters with Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Oh, and by the way, Elton Jenkins can slide anywhere on the line. So you don't have to specifically need a guard center right tackle to work out. You just need one of those guys to work out. And I love it. I'm honestly so pumped to see how these guys progress. I'm really excited. I want to see Jake Hansen if he can get in the mix. I, I don't see him possibly making a, an attempt, but you know, guys like Cole Van Lannon, um, Nijmat, I know people are still jacked about uh, Stepaniak. We'll see again. I'm not super sold on him. We really haven't seen much, but there's a ton of depth, and like I've just haven't said Billy Turner yet, even though I'm not a big Billy Turner fan, but he he can play and he's also versatile. So the combination of like like Mike said, the the depth and then the actual versatility is I, there might be a team out there that has as much depth, but I don't think anyone has as versatile offensive linemen as the Packers do because they go out of their way to make sure they have players that are versatile and can be slotted anywhere on the offensive line, potentially. I'm looking through here because I was curious because you had brought up, like, they don't they don't necessarily have to get these guys in the first round. Yeah. They have two linemen that were taken in the second in Myers and Elton Jenkins. Yep. Uh, Billy Turner was in the third round uh, from like he was drafted by by Miami. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, they got another day two guy in there. But other than that, it's a lot of later guys. Royce Newman, fourth rounder. Cole Van Landen, sixth rounder. Bakhtiari, fourth rounder. John Runyon, sixth rounder. You have uh, Jake Hans, another sixth rounder. There's the they I know they have multiple UDFAs in this group. Yosh Nijman, UDFA. They have all sorts of guys here and. They didn't have to go and pay the same premium that everyone else did. Like, while you go and you look at the Saints, the Saints are my favorite case study when it comes to offensive linemen because all of their guys are like first rounders or second rounders. I I went through and looked at this a couple months ago when the whole Russ Wilson wanting to be traded thing and how the Saints had overhauled their line. Like, the Saints, all of their linemen – have been drafted since Russell Wilson was drafted by the Seahawks. They're all they went and they overhauled it completely because they knew Drew Brees isn't athletic. He needs to stay in the pocket. We have to build around that. So they went and they traded picks and they got first rounders. Cool, great, awesome. You guys have an amazing offensive line. Guess what? Green Bay went and built an offensive line that's just as good as yours, and they didn't have to spend nearly the same amount of draft capital as you did. That's just that's you don't see that. And I know we talked about this right before we got started. Green Bay's offensive line wasn't necessarily a strength if you look back like two years ago, but then they've massively overhauled it now. And, yeah, it sucks they lost Brian Bulaga and Corey Lindsley. That's not great, but at the same time, the other guys that are still in the room kind of make those losses hurt a little bit less. Elton Jenkins is, like you said, bordering on being one of the best offensive linemen in football. Not just guards, just offensive lineman in football because he can play left tackle through to right tackle. He can play everywhere. He's currently listed on our lads as the starting center for this team. And I think he's going to be a guard. I don't think he's going to be the center, yeah. but he could be. That's just 
that's how talented and versatile this room is. And if a clear swing tackle really develops behind Turner and Debach, this offensive line is going to be a very firm strength for this team and one of the best in football, just as they were last year. For sure. And first, curse you, L.A. Chargers, for taking both Balaga and Lindsley. But, yeah, you guys are spot on. And I'm actually really high in Simon Stepaniak just because guys that strong are are kind of rare. And I think he could be a big-time road grader uh, at guard if they need him out there. Th- this team has depth out the wazoo. And the other big thing that helps them is Adam Stenovich, who is really went full, who really wins under the radar when they picked him up after letting James Campen go, and he is now being seen as a potential offensive coordinator in the not-too-distant future with what he has done on this offensive line. He has been a absolute great find as an assistant coach. I think he's done, he's got all the players' ears, and he has really worked well with, with a lot of these younger guys, especially some of the stuff he's done with, with Jenkins and Billy Turner, helping Billy really finally hit his true potential as a full-time starter in the NFL. This offensive line is probably my favorite position group on the team, and this is going to be a lot of fun to watch them. It's fun to watch the trench play, and and if Bakhtiari is back healthy, and I saw an article joking that Amari Rogers should talk to him about how to recover from an ACL because Amari did it in like six months at Clemson. If Bakhtiari can do that on his frame, we're even better for it. We'll see how long he's out. Well, that being said, let's flip it over to the defense. And we really got one group that we got as a massive strength, and that is, as a whole, the secondary. And they've at times underachieved, especially, obviously, we know the Kevin King story, but you have arguably the best corner in football. You have a high draft pick who I think could be Sam Shields but taller. You have a proven slot guy, another talented young slot guy. You have Kevin King, who, when he is used the right way and healthy, he can be a very solid corner in this league, and arguably one of the top two safety duos in the NFL, including one of the more underrated players in all of football in Adrian Amos. This secondary has everything, and they've got a good coach to help them up with Jerry Gray. They are the strength of this defense. They are going. To, they could. They can change games, and they are going to be a t- another group that's going to be really fun to watch. Yeah, no, I, I'm excited to see them you know, evolve, if you will. Um, is this the second year with uh, Coach Gray, I believe, as well in the secondary room? Um, so you could actually, like, I feel like people listening to this would, as we've gone through this, they're probably like, yep, quarterback for sure, receiver possibly, offensive line definitely. Like, I could see there being a debate on the secondary because you remove Jair and that team, this team is very, very unknown. Like people still have a really, really poor taste in their mouth from Kevin King, Josh Jackson, who, you know, I said last week is probably going to be cut. Um, no one really else on that roster in the cornerback uh, group has done much. You flip the other side, like Savage has been really, really fast. He's made a lot of plays. He had a really, really good last year. He had some blunders two years ago. Adrian Amos, again, I think he's very, very slept on. I've been a huge Adrian Amos fan um, since he was on the Bears, even his you know, rookie year. But outside of that, like they're, you know, I, I do think they are. It's it's extremely talented. There's a lot of opportunities here for guys to to emerge. Uh, we saw a little bit of tidbits from Vernon Scott last year. I think Raven Green, when healthy, is a great piece to be added into this defense. Um, for some reason, Henry Black was seeing snaps a little bit last year, which was strange. Those were obviously all safeties. Um, but like overall, Green's gone. Our lad sucks. Uh, Stanford Samuel's the third is someone I think can make plays. But you know, there there's a ton of dudes that. 
even if we just started over from last year with, you know, remove Eric Stoats being added, I mean, whatever they had was really solid. And you're going to add a first round pick and you're going to, you know, have a Darnell Savage who is progressing in his game. And I just think the, the continuity between this defense, I hope with Joe Barry at the helm is going to be solid. I know um, the secondary at times has had miscommunications. I remember when um, Dom Capers left and like Petten came in, that was, that was troublesome. But Overall, I really, really like the athleticism, the speed that they have, the size. There's just a lot to love about this secondary, and I think it is, it's probably the second deepest position for um, the Packers behind offensive line, as we uh, previously mentioned. Yeah, and just looking through this, this room, so I've said many times that I'm still, I'm not out on Kevin King or Josh Jackson. I think that both the guys just need to be played in the proper scheme more so than they have issues like kevin king is not an off-cover corner don't make him an off-cover corner that's the problem josh jackson again not an off-cover corner don't make him one you throw in jair is elite at what he does eric stokes is a rookie but he was a first round pick for a reason the guy's talented if you go look at some of his college stats and some of the guys he went up against he went up and put up some really good numbers against them and then you talked about it again the depth you have shamar Jean charles who's a fifth round pick this year who i think has a chance to be a wrote a possible rotation player this year you have Shannon Sullivan in the nickel you have Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage Jr. who are one of the top probably what top five safety duos in the league right now and it's just this group like you said might be it's probably the deepest group on the roster outside of offensive line and I understand that there's people that are have bad like you said bad taste in their mouth because of Kevin King yeah but when Kevin King was playing press man against receivers in week six and he was shutting everybody down you guys didn't have a bad taste in your mouth. The only the only reason you have a bad taste in your mouth is because we keep seeing the Tampa Bay highlights from their run to the Super Bowl. And one of those is Kevin King getting beat. Kevin King is a good corner. If he can stay on the field and be and play his role and not try and have to do too much, he's not he's not gonna be corner one. That's fine. Jair's gonna serve that role. If Kevin King as your corner two, especially if he's able to play his style of ball and the way that he knows how to play ball best. He can be a more than serviceable CB2 for you. Josh Jackson can also be a serviceable rotational corner for you. Eric Stokes has a really high ceiling. If he can even scratch it as a rookie, I'll be super excited to watch him. I love this corner room, and I was this and this secondary in general. Like you talked about, Vernon Scott, uh, Will Redmond is another guy that I think a lot of people have a bad taste in their mouth just because of the drop pick right before halftime of that NFC Championship game. I think Will Redmond is fine. He is as a rotational safety, you could be doing a lot worse. If he was a starter, yeah, no, I'd be a little nervous. But as a rotational guy, I'm okay with that. I love this. I love the secondary, and I think that they have a chance to be a like have a be a really good team from that aspect this year. And there's not a lot of no fly zones around the NFL, and a lot of them are really highly paid guys. Green Bay has a chance to go trot out a no fly zone that is one of the cheapest in football, considering you'll have. One, two, like two guys on rookie contracts. You have Adrian Amos is on a relatively affordable deal. Kevin King's on a six million dollar per. Shannon Sullivan's on a cheap deal. This team's going to be really cheap, and they're going to be playing better defense than teams that are paying corners twenty million dollars per season. To be fair, that twenty million is not going to last too much longer until Jair gets paid. But yeah, you're everything else. You're absolutely spot on. But also. Don't, don't forget that Savage could be an X-Factor as well, because if they move up into that star spot and move him closer to the line of scrimmage, 
he's he is a whirling dervish at times, and he will go and make plays. He had a couple big quarterback hits last year as well. And he like this 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 group is deep. They're talented. They're fast. And with the way the NFL is going now, as long as they can tackle, I think they're going to be extremely extremely good. That jumps us to one last position, and we'll see how long we want to go on this one. But my favorite phrase is, you, you don't know how important... Like, a kicker's like a good lawyer. You don't know how important they are until you need them. Mason Crosby is one of the best kickers of the past 15 years. He had one down year, but other than that, he has been incredible. He's gonna If he plays out the entirety of his contract, he will retire. He will end that contract with the most games played of any Packer player in history. So ever since he got drafted, he did not miss a game. He has been reliable. He's had depend, dependability with range. He's hit some game-winning kicks. He's everything he wants as a player, as a person, as a kicker. And as we've seen throughout the NFC North, kicking is a tough job. The Bears may have finally found the kicker. It took them essentially 15 years after they got rid of Paul Edinger. Detroit just let their kicker go. And Minnesota, I'm not sure what they're doing at kicker. So, I mean, when you see how reliable Crosby is and how he can really function with almost any holder, he that's, that's got to be a strength of this team. Definitely does. Uh, quite the ricochet shot for the entire NFC North. Uh, kudos to you, Mike. Um, and if Mason Crosby was a lawyer, he'd have an absolute amazing law firm just with the longevity and the success he's had. Like, he's he is so steady that, I, I mean, there's only like three games I can remember where I was like, Damn it, Mason. And then the next game, he basically told me to shut the hell up and suck another beer down. Like, it's just like he's so damn good. And it's it's come to the point where it's it's so consistent that you wonder when he'll fall off. Knock on wood. And like his leg has stayed fairly strong. Um, He's not hitting. He's not banging home any 60 yarders from what I can remember. But those mid 50s, he's very, very solid. And everything in between, like I, I'm very confident. And there, there's some absolutely challenging conditions he's had to deal with. Obviously, playing in Lambeau eight times a year, um, you know, playing elsewhere throughout the league. Obviously, within in the um, in the division, he's got a lot of uh, domes, which has probably helped him a little bit with his average. But overall, I'm it's it's awesome to have Mason. And there's been times where I've questioned him, like I said. But really, at the end of the day, there's no one that's been more consistent on this team for close to now, what, two decades almost, if we're creeping in on, maybe. But at the end of the day, like the fact that he's going to be the longest uh, Packer, you know, most games or whatever, like that's that's unbelievable. Like just to think all the uh, longevity they've had, all the other special teamers that you could possibly throw in that mix. But really, like Mason's the dude. Um Big shout out to him. Very, very strange, though, how when Blake Bortles signed, we're going to bring this all the way back. They were using the jersey swap, the number two, just the disrespect for Mason in his number two jersey. You know, it's not surprising, though. Like, I mean, what, what are you, you going to do? Like, that, things like that are going to happen. You're going to have him sit there and you're going to, like, swap him in with the, it's like just social media is going to social media, man. But so, by the way, you were talking about like games that he plays outdoors. So I was a little curious because you're right. He has played in a lot of adverse conditions. He's played against teams. Like he's got, he's kicked 80% of his field goals against Chicago. He's Mm -hmm. hit 80% against Buffalo. He's got one miss ever against the bills. He's 48 of 53 against Minnesota, 14 of 17 against Philly. It like, like you said, the guy is, He's not automatic, but damn, is he good. He is one of the best kickers in football. He's been one of the most consistent. Outside of, let's see, 
Pittsburgh and Washington, and then he's actually never kicked a field goal against Houston. He's only kicked extra points, which is hilarious. But like, if you just look through, and the guy is a 75% or better against pretty much everybody, and he's 80% or better against nearly the entire league. There's a few oddballs strung throughout, but there's teams where you, a guy goes up to the like goes up to kick a field goal, like Chicago, like uh, Minnesota, just that you're like, I don't know if this guy's going to make it. When Mason goes up, unless it's like a 60-yard field goal, I have a lot of confidence in him. And the 60-yarder is just because you're going to doubt if anybody's going to make that outside of like Tucker and a couple of other guys in the leagues. So I think that Mason is absolutely a strength of this team because of the confidence he gives you. You could, he Malafleur can say, okay, we need three here. We can get three with our guy. Whereas there's other teams that are like, we need three, but we don't know that our kicker is going to get the job done. So we're going to have to go and try and do something else. Mason Crosby, I know that he's going to get me three just about every time he goes out on the field. And I think that that is a big thing that a lot of teams over a lot of people overlook because of the aspect of, oh, it's a kicker. It's only three points. Kicker is a kicker. You can get a new one every year. Kickers going to get trapped, yada, yada, yada. But having a having a kicker that you can be like, I know he's going to be set it and forget it. We're good. There is something that cannot be overlooked. And a lot of teams really are always searching for one. There's a reason that guys stick around. There's Gaskowski was in New England for 15 years. Adam Minnitary was a staple in the NFL for 20 years. When you have one, it's like it's noticeable when you don't have a good kicker, and you have to appreciate when you do have one just how important it can be. For sure. And the, and the last thing I'll bring up on Crosby is, is you talk about how reliable, he's clutch. Like Everyone remembers the Jared Cook catch against Dallas, but Mason kicked back-to-back 50-yarders to win that game including slicing one back in and making Skip Bayless question every life decision he ever made, which was even funnier. <laughs> but Mason, as Gage said, he is reliable. You, Matt LeFleur knows, and we saw it in the, the NFC title game. Well, for whatever we want to say about the decision, he knew he was going to be able to get three with Mason no matter what happened, and Mason went out and got him three. And whether I, I, I do think J.K. Scott helps as a, as a holder. If he has a good holder, that helps. But Mason also knows his mechanics. He knows his routine. He knows working with the guys in the locker room. You know he's a respected leader in that locker room. People listen to him. And he has definitely made his home here in Wisconsin. And he is a guy that's... I'm looking forward to whether it's 5, 10, 50 years from now when he's finally done playing, when he goes in the Packer Hall of Fame. Because outside of a couple players currently on the roster, no one deserves it more than, than the guy wearing number two. And he... And, you can make a case that he is the greatest kicker in Packer history, and I don't, I won't be able to debate, debate you otherwise. I really won't. And it's, it's going to be, it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and and again, a huge strength of this team. So that being said, we've been running kind of long, so we'll wrap things up here. Uh, Gage, I'll go to you first. What are you working on? Uh, as per usual, you can find me on Twitter at GBridge for NFL. Uh, NBA playoffs are kicking off. Last night, Denver had their uh, first game, which has not happened yet as of this recording. Uh, I'm doing some work with um, Caesars, uh, their Super Draft, um, which is partnered with um, Caesars Palace. It's one, it's their DFS app. It's You can find information about that on my Twitter. I'm doing stuff still for Denver Stiffs, Rotoballer, uh, Dynasty Nerds. Um, I have a Rotoballer article coming out in the next couple of days talking about if for those of you that either haven't done a whole lot of Dynasty football before or are just a little new at it, you can find an article that I have coming out that's kind of just like startup strategy, just 
how you should be attacking your draft, what you should be planning for, and and so on and so forth and things like that. That's kind of what I'm working on right now. I'll have a lot of content just over the next couple of months here just as summer is going on. I'll have to be still putting out stuff and a lot of stuff looking ahead to uh, 2021. Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Um, that's where I do most of my damage, so follow me there. Please, obviously, keep listening to Pack a Day. Rate, review, send it to your friends. Listen with your grandma. Axel, ask Alexa to play the podcast. Um, Game on Wisconsin, we actually just officially got our business license. I don't know if that's supposed to be a secret or not, but it's, I'm pretty proud of it. So shout out Jacob Westerdorf and the whole squad. And then uh, friends of the podcast and contributors alike today when this podcast comes out on sunday um eli zach jacobson and janelle Mackey are going to be interviewing tremont williams yes the tremont williams number 38 of the green bay packers at 6 30 central time on the youtube channel twitter facebook wherever else we stream our content so check that out um and more content coming from me as well over there with that squad uh mike what do you got going on my man uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland, all one word, again, W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. And again, high school season in full swing. I'm doing a lot of broadcasting for Zaleski Sports, Z-A-L-E-S-K-I. Uh, a lot of Nina, and that, that's been a lot of fun. They, the Rockets have been, a lot, have been very gracious, and they've been really, really uh, good to us as well. So I'll be doing uh, Nina Baseball and Nina Girls Soccer a few times next week and going forward. We'll be doing stuff like the Northern Lights Football League and other schools around central and northern Wisconsin. So keep an eye out for that and keep an eye on my Twitter for anything as well. Again, I can think for all of us as well, DMs are open, so if you ever want to talk to us about anything, just let us know uh, and just send us a message and we'll respond as best as we possibly can. If I see it, I will answer you. And, of course, as Matt said, follow us wherever your favorite podcast platform is. Share it with your friends, your family, your dog, your grandparents. Have it running in your car just in the background, even if you're not in it. Just do whatever. Just leave us a subscription, give us a like, and we really do appreciate it. It really helps us out. And, of course, stay tuned tomorrow for Andy and crew for more great content here from the Packaday team. And so for all of us here at the Packaday podcast, for Gage Bridgeford, for Matt Fralick, this is Mike Welland. Everyone, have a great rest of your day. Stay safe. Always carry the G. And go Pack Go.